for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagge. We had to bump today's guests way up in the order uh, and record them as soon as we could after this past banquet in Syracuse. If you were at the banquet when the Locke Award was presented to VP of Programming Maddie Doolittle, she was very uh, excited and a little emotional. And the first person that ran up to greet her and give her a big bear hug was Grace Denton, the general manager. And what was so cool about that moment for those of us sitting in the audience was... Knowing that that feeling of JPZ and that connection and those tight bonds that so many of us had with our classmates over 50 years is still as strong as ever today in 2023. So Grace and Maddie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I didn't throw you by that, with that opening there, but it was such an indelible moment in my brain that I'm so excited to talk to the both of you and the women who are leading WJPZ in 2023. I was going to say, I wasn't expecting the intro. I was like, oh, 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 tears, yeah. tears. Yeah, nope. we got Got a little like, exposed. Oh, we're going to start crying already. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> there was not a dry eye in the house at that moment for anybody that was not at uh, the banquet this year. So let me start. You're both juniors. You're both class of 24, which means you were seniors in high school when COVID hit, which means you started at Syracuse at the height of COVID in 2020. Explain what that was like, because I, I can't even get my head around it. Maddie, let's start with you. I mean, for me personally, Syracuse was one of the only schools that let students come on campus in the fall. So a lot of my friends didn't go to their first year of college on campus and everything. So it was really weird being away from home, I guess, for the first time. And Maddie, you're from Western Massachusetts. Correct. Yes. And Grace, you're from New Jersey? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I cut you off, Maddie. Go ahead. It was really, really weird. You were trapped in your dorm because they didn't let you enter other dorm buildings and you had to wear a mask every time you left your room, let alone the building. I would walk down the hallway to the bathroom and be wearing a mask. It was just really strange. I did not even make friends with the people on my floor. It was a lonely first semester, I'll tell you that. Or all classes over Zoom, Maddie, at that point? A lot of them were like 50-50. So like half the class would go in person one day of the week and the other half would go the other and the other half. That would be on Zoom. So it was fully like the whole class could have been on Zoom, but they just wanted to get people in person or they were completely online. A lot of time in my nice dorm room, you know. Jeez. And Grace, how was it for you? Yeah, it was tough. Really, I fully wanted to transfer freshman year. The first semester I was trying to. The only thing that really got me out of wanting to transfer was just thinking, okay, I'll give it a chance. And obviously I'm glad that I did. But that first semester was tough. You were very much stuck with maybe three people all of the time. And that's, if you were lucky, you couldn't hang out with anyone else. Classes were very strange. And I was coming in from a really weird experience because when I was in high school, I was a super active participant in class, super talkative kind of student. And coming into college, I was like, that's what I have going for me. My participation grade will always be awesome. And that just went right down the drain. Even in the Herg in Newhouse, you had to sit like two rows apart from the next person. Couldn't talk to anyone. And classes were very tough with the masks, trying to understand people. It was just complete disconnect. I'm very happy that's over. I would encourage anybody who hasn't listened to the episode with Kyle Leff, who was the GM of JPZ through COVID, to go back and listen to that. When were you able to get to Z89 and discover it? 
I went to an online information session for Z89 <laughs> in January of 2021. So right at the beginning of the second semester after I decided not to transfer as well, <laughs> stuck it out. Uh, my mom said I had to get through a full year. So I went to an information session for Z89. Kyle left, led it. And I ended up signing up to go through like the training process. But it was really weird for me because none of the training schedules fit with my schedule. So I would come for like Ugh. one hour a week. Like I would come halfway through and people would be like, okay, I have no idea who this girl is. And I didn't want to necessarily be on the radio. I just wanted to play music and do something. And I was in another group. It was like the Survivor Syracuse group or whatever. We like play a season of Survivor on campus. I got voted out. And the next day I started training for Z89. So it was kind of like, wow, everything happens for a reason. Finding Z89, like after getting through clearing, I happened to have the DJ shift right before end of the week energy, which is a specialty music show. That was the first semester it was starting. They were like, hey, do you want to stay and be on air for the show? I was like, sure, why not? Because there weren't that many people in the show. It was COVID. Like no one's there on, at 9 p.m. on a Friday night. But I am because I had nothing else going on. Obviously, it's COVID. Who had anything going on? So joined a show and then it kind of like became my thing and like the reason that I stuck around. For If I remember right from Kyle's episode, Z89 was one of the few things actually happening on campus. Yeah. Grace, how was it for you finding the station? I joined first semester freshman year. So there was an outdoor involvement fair from Newhouse. I remember our peer advisors kind of just dragged us around it, very spread out all across Newhouse. And I also remember Kyle was advertising for Z89, doing a table, playing the music. And I did not know it was student run, but I wanted to join. They just shout out to Kyle for advertising it really well because I wanted to join right away. And then I did training and one week would be in person and then the next would be online. So also really strange. Grace, let me stop you for a second. How do you train for JPZ online? We did not do a lot of it, to be honest, <laughs> you know, because the first week we came in and kind of tried to learn the board. And then the second week I was online, all they could really do was tell us, this is what you don't say on air. And that was about <laughs> it. So it's, it's funny because I hear a lot of people now who remember everyone who was in their training group or like we just trained and a bunch of our trainees are now friends and do a DJ shift together. And I did not have that at all. I could not tell you a single person who was in my training group. And it's probably the people I am best friends with now. And I just don't know because I don't remember. Wow. But I could feel that the effort was there. We were trying, but it basically just did not accomplish anything for the whole semester because so few people could be there at the same time. And it took longer with the online. So I didn't really do much until second semester freshman year. And had a DJ shift. And I mostly did social media. That's how I got started. Mm -hmm. Because there was an online, probably the same one Maddie's talking about, the online information session. And they mentioned social media and just texting the social media director at the time. And I already kind of knew him. So I thought, I'm going to try this. So then I basically had like online Z89 for a semester just doing social media. So as COVID kind of wears on, so now we're into the spring semester of your freshman year, which is 2021, and then you kind of come back fall 2021 as sophomores, things are opening back up a little bit and you're able to sort of do more in person at the station? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so too. That was the semester that I started being music director and we had a lot more shows. That might have been the semester people actually started hearing about Z a little bit more and we trained like 100 people or something crazy like that. So a lot of people went through training, regardless of whether they stuck around or not, people were hearing about it again, which was a good thing. 
What's interesting is roughly every 10 years or so throughout the history of the radio station, the staff has had to be rebuilt. So I've talked in previous episodes about when we were in a house in Ostrom 2000, 2001, and that really decimated the staff. We had to rebuild that staff in 0102. And then the station was rebuilt again in 2012, and they were running out of new house for a semester and you know had to be rebuilt and learn how to run a radio station in person and be live on the air and not voice tracked. And here we are 10 years again. It's coming out of COVID. And you kind of alluded to it a second ago, Maddie, you've got to rebuild the staff. And it sounds a little bit like maybe there was some pent up energy of I've been stuck in a dorm room in COVID, like I want to get out and just do the things. Was that part of it? And how else did you help both of you help rebuild the radio station? That's a loaded question. Um, I (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've been on exec for like a full two years now, so kind of saw it, I guess, go through that like baby boom kind of deal of like a bunch of people got really interested. But the thing with that is also I've seen a lot of like issues in the way that we've retained people or lack thereof. We've gone through a lot of altering the way we train people and altering the connections that we're able to make with trainees and things like that, making them excited to be on a DJ shift, telling them everything that we know, because if you don't know things or you don't know people, then you have no really reason to stay because you don't feel involved or whatever. So I think one of the biggest things that at least the two of us have tried to do is really make people feel like they belong here and that they have a role here. So something that was developed last spring was we created executive producer roles and social media manager roles for every single show. Like we just wanted, besides the exec staff of 14, like that's just 14 people. We have like 100 people going through training every year. What are their jobs? We want people to have roles and responsibilities and take ownership of shows and things like that. So that was the big push last year was to get these people in these roles because they came here wanting to do this. So like, let's give them a job to do. They want to do it. You sound like a lock award winner right now because you're talking about how important it is. I wonder why. <laughs> no, because I mean, in all seriousness, this is something that we've all learned in previous generations over 50 years is how do you keep students there? How do you retain people? How do you motivate them to want to stay involved in the radio station? Yeah. Grace, let me bounce it back over to you. What are some of the, you know, if you want to dovetail off what Maddie was saying, the lessons learned about how to retain people, how to recruit people and how you got involved with the executive staff? Yeah, I think going back to what you said, where everyone was so energized to come in, that was part of it, that we had a wave of people who a lot were a lot of new house kids and they knew they wanted to do broadcast to some extent and they would get here and after the training wouldn't really have much to do to kind of get that need, get that want what they wanted to do with broadcasting and accomplish those goals. A hundred people would join because it was a radio station. It sounds exciting. They get to be on air for all of Syracuse. But then there was just no one for them to talk to, nothing to do. I feel like I almost could have got swept away in that same trend because after I joined, I think if I didn't join social media, I would have had nothing to do. I didn't really know anyone. So I would have probably not stuck around. I was lucky and then I got very close with the old social media director of the time and he encouraged me to run for social media director the semester after that which was spring 2022 Mm -hmm. and being on the exec staff brings you in but it's like Maddie said there's 14 people on the executive staff that's not enough people to stay engaged so I know it's been a huge focus for us lately the past couple semesters to just genuinely get to know everyone feel like if we in our roles don't know everyone in the station, that is genuinely a problem. So we tried really hard to just know everyone's names and know what they want to do. And 
now we get to think of people when there's a certain task to do. So it just happened with our trainees. It's something that happens every day. If we have something that needs to be done, we could think, oh, this person that we just trained likes film. He can film this for us. It's just care, I think, that after COVID, people just got disconnected from the station. But when you come back and put a lot of your life into it and start to care about it again, you want to spread that to other people. And it's just actually being invested in other people. It's not about you. It's about the whole station, which is important. Well, Maddie sounds like a lock award winner and Grace sounds like a general manager with what you're saying right now. Grace, how did you climb up to the ranks from social media to become GM? It actually happened very quickly, which is funny because I was only social media director for one semester. From the beginning, our executive staff at the time was fantastic, very welcoming, and we all became friends very quickly. The way Maddie and I are now, where we're just booming with ideas all the time and have all these spurts of energy is exactly how we were when we first started. So it's been like that since day one, the first general interest meeting. So that was a good way to just kind of take it and run. So I was social media director, but I was just really interested in the rest of the station and doing it with my friends. And then the VP of operations, Ryan Baker, last spring, he graduated. So I ran for that and was lucky enough and got VP of operations. And then we had the elections for spring 2023. And I was not ever planning on running for general manager, really. When I was social media director, I never thought that would happen. But it was very sudden, the whole process. And I had a lot of encouragement from other people, which was very helpful. You mentioned Josh Wolf in your speech at the banquet. Yes, he was a big part of that because, like I said, I, I moved up those ranks so quickly, just social media director for one semester. I was like, whoa, I'm not done yet, but I moved up. <laughs> um, and I loved, I loved social media director. I love being VP of ops. So I was happy with that. But then the opportunity for general manager was not something I thought would come up. And Josh Wolf reached out to me and talked me through it and was very encouraging. And when I was hesitant, like, I don't think I can run an entire radio station. He, you know, told me I can do it, which was very helpful. Um, a very nice confidence boost. So thank you, Josh. And I ran and it all happened very quickly. So it just was like a breeze. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I'm now the general manager. And <laughs> it's been my favorite thing ever. It's been my favorite job that I've had. So I could not complain, but it all happened very quickly. So I'm just very lucky. It's a lot of time in the station, but feels like nothing. I think 50 years of general managers before you, Grace, have all said, I don't think I'm ready for this. So I think, <laughs> I think I think that's certainly a good company when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old and you're put in charge of a radio station. Yeah. It's like, whoa, how did how did this happen? Right. You mentioned the two of you and how close you are and always having ideas and bouncing stuff off of each other. How did the two of you become so close? I actually remember. You I do? actually remember, yeah. Okay, I don't. <laughs> she joined the executive staff, I think, and then... I don't even know how it happened. It was just kind of like very fast friends. We're very similar people and we always have like the same ideas and I'll text something and then she'll text the same thing one second later because we were <laughs> typing the same thing. I don't know how we like met necessarily. <laughs> I remember that at the first general meeting we were all at in person, spring 2022, we started talking about track. The whole exec staff at that meeting was very excited because we'd only met online and that was our first day. Yeah. That was a great meeting we were, too because the executive yeah. staff before that one was not friends necessarily. So like once we elected everyone, everyone wanted to be friends so bad. It was like 
this is great. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, that was a whole new environment for me. <laughs> I remember in that meeting, we started talking about track because we both did track in high school. I don't know how I remember that, but I do. And a couple of us, it was kind of like all that we were sophomores at the point. So our grade, a bunch of us went back to the station afterwards and just started talking. And I had met every single one of those people the same day. <sighs> and all of a sudden we just sat in the station together and very quickly became friends and day one started from there. True. And just blew up. You know, the documentary that Scott McFarland did for the 40th anniversary of the station 10 years ago talked about the same person being at Z89, whether they were the class of 75, 85, 95, 24 in this case. That Z89 and JPZ kind of attracts a certain kind of person that's usually open and warm and friendly. And these people tend to be like-minded and connected with each other. And it kind of seems like that's the case here. I would say so. It's kind of weird because I haven't met someone with the exact same humor as me ever or anything like that. <laughs> and like, we will talk over each other and it will not be weird because we're just both like, we're saying the same exact thing, but we're talking at the same time. People are like, guys, you got to like, one at a time. And we're like, okay, it's very, it's very strange. But like, there are a lot of people like that here where it's like, I have met my closest friends in Z89. It's really weird. It's weird. It's great. But it's, it's <laughs> very like, that is so strange that we all ended up in this one place. And we're yeah. all the same person. Typically, I ask alumni, who are the people you met when you worked at the radio station that you've stayed friends with throughout the years? So obviously, I'll modify that here a little bit. But yeah. who are some of the people that are on your exec staff or on the station staff? I know you don't want to leave anybody out, but are there certain names that pop to mind that you've got just really great relationships with? I mean, besides Grace, Joe Puccio, we've been like a trio kind of deal for like almost a year now. Another one of those people that like has the same exact humor as me and like is just can talk to about anything kind of. And like Alana is our VP of operations who started around the same time, like spring 22. She was a freshman. We didn't really know her very well at all. But like since then, like she's been one of those people that, okay, you have a good idea. Like, let's go. Like has the same kind of mindset, everything like that. So I think those are the two that stand out to me in terms of who I've met here and like we'll probably be friends with forever. Grace? Yeah, those are the two that stand out the most. Us and Joe were very much trio of like the same person three times since the beginning. And then with Alana being younger than us, we've joked that she's our child. Our child, yeah. That we, <laughs> that we kind of like corrupted her into our little yeah. group because she just joined. adopt them. Yeah. <laughs> she joined as a music director as a freshman. Yeah. And was so new to Z89 when she got that position. But then all of a sudden we dragged her in and she is the VP of Ops now. It was kind of one of those situations where some freshmen will join the exec staff and like they don't necessarily know that Z89 is their thing yet. <laughs> yet. They'll do TV, they'll do University Union, they'll do the Daily War. So they're doing, spreading themselves super thin, all of this stuff. Alana was one of those people we were like, nope, you're choosing Z. <laughs> you're, this is your thing now. And she's ridden with it and she loves yep. it. And she's one of the most productive people that we have here and like the biggest ideas person ever. So we were like, nope. You're saying we, we, we were recruited like her. And picking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's WJPZ at 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence. This is WJPZ at 50.
Every generation at the station has their own unique set of challenges. Obviously, the two of you started in COVID and that was a huge deal. But even now, with the radio industry changing so quickly and the increased interest in podcasting in so many different directions to go, what is it like for the two of you helping run this radio station in 2023? Do you feel, What kind of challenges do you face? What kind of dynamic is there for folks you know, looking to get a head start professionally? I think the biggest one is that college students now on Syracuse's campus are not listening to Z89. Okay. Like they are not listening to Z89 on an FM dial because maybe 20% of them have cars and most of them are not tuning in to the iHeartRadio app or Z89online.com unless they're a part of the station. So that's a challenge where we've faced how do we get our name out there as a brand and as a company more than just a student organization to people who aren't listening to us on broadcast radio. So we've kind of embraced the idea of a multi-platform kind of deal where we have leaned so heavily into social media, so heavily into just content creation and putting our face in front of Syracuse students. So whether that be tabling at events or the Kid Leroy came here last week and we just emceed out on the quad just because there were people there. It's like a captive audience kind of deal. We're going to talk to these people. We're going to do ticket giveaways with local places and do it on social media because we know that's where we're going to get our engagement from the students. I think it's just embracing that idea of being multi-platform, knowing where your audience is. And even though we're a radio station, yes, but social media is so important in terms of radio, especially in the kind of environment we're in. So we do focus a lot on our on-air content, but we focus just as much energy, if not more at this point, into our off-air content, our website, our press, concert, photography, videography, reels from on-air content. We don't want our on-air content getting lost in the ether. Not that it's getting lost, it's hitting someone's ears, but it's also content that we can use and use to grow our numbers later. So I think that is one of our biggest challenges is trying to grab an audience that isn't on our main platform. I think that's really interesting and very 2023 of you to think of their station as a brand as opposed to a radio station. It's not 89.1, it's Z89, the brand. I, Maddie, I think it was you who posted on LinkedIn a couple of days ago about the Kid Leroy stuff that you guys just did. I did, yes. And then interviewing Parmalee, the country band recently. So, yep. and I'm seeing it across my social media feed. I'm not in Syracuse listening to 89.1, but I'm seeing it pop up on Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere else. Exactly. That's the goal. I think that was another one of the things, I mean, Grace should talk about it, but like, ran on the idea of Z89 being a brand, like branding is a huge part because a lot of the time Z89 has been very internally focused. Like how do we get people to stay on DJ shifts and like community building within the organization? But a lot of people forget we are a company and we have a big opportunity to be a branded company and make branded content and be like a multimedia outlet. So I think that's something that we've embraced. Grace? Because it's 2023 and we've just heard from day one both of us are Newhouse students and no one is afraid to tell us that radio might kind of be a dying industry. And whether or not everyone agrees with that is, you know, up to the individual. But it's obviously competing with streaming to an ex insane extent where streaming is on top of the world right now. Yeah. We have to think about all these kids are coming into college and very few of them are going to think, I want to be a DJ and I want to go off and work in radio. So the only way to keeping Z89 alive is to use those other outlets. And the only way to get people from the outside viewing us is those other outlets. When I started doing social media, that was kind of my only outlet on Z89 because I wasn't really on air at the time. It was just a DJ shift. 
And it was just about trying to capture an audience. And also because of COVID, no one was going to be in station. There weren't that many shows going on. So it was, what can we put out there where people still see us? And I know we compete, like Maddie said, with University Union or with Citrus TV. And they are different in that they have their faces out there, their names on everything. And we didn't have the same discovery at the time because we were just on the air or on iHeartRadio and didn't have that many people on our social media. So my goal from that point on was just we need a strong brand identity, not just a random mix of things that we're trying to put together. It needs to be a defined brand identity, a defined station, like Maddie said, and like you said, as a company, because that's what makes us look real. That's what makes us fit in with huge radio stations that have way more attention than we do. If we're only acting as this is a club or just something you do for fun on the side, we're not going to get people interested. And that is okay. But at the same time, we do still go out on the FM dial. And it's important that if we do that, we're going to do it responsibly. And that's all done by getting more people interested, whether it be by being part of the station or more people interested in listening. And the best way we've been able to do that is just force ourselves out there, force that we do random things on social media, whether it's crazy or not, just putting up wild things. Maddie and I had one TikTok that we just made for fun (laughs) and it became like our most popular one. So it's kind of just accepting everything, which is how I think we run the station. It's just accepting any reasonable idea and being okay with it, even if it's a little crazy. It was like giving Z89 a personality that other people wanted to follow on social media. It's like, I follow my friends on social media because they're my friends. This was so funny. Our design director one time said this, her name's Laura, and she said, Z89's social media is like, Z89 is your best friend. Okay, I love that. Where Mm -hmm. it's like, if you think of Z89, you're thinking of ticket giveaways to Westcott Theater on Center, like St. Joseph's Amphitheater. You're thinking of ticket giveaways to these places. You're thinking of funny segment videos from the Z Morning Zoo that they filmed and they posted on Instagram. You're thinking of album reviews from the appraisal or New Music Monday. Like that's what you're thinking of because like that's what you're interested in. So people interested in music should be following Z89. And we're trying to prove to those people this is the platform that you want to be on. And this is the platform you want to follow if that's what you're interested in. Getting back to the Kid Leroy tabling we just talked about. Recency bias, you know. Yeah, full disclosure, recording this on March 29th. I'm going to get this out as soon as possible. We are recording this on March 29th. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Grace. That would be some good context there. But we where we started on a small scale and said we need our personality to be shown on social media where everyone knows it. The same that people know the iHeart Instagram has a personality, the MTV Instagram as a person. Shout out Matt Garen. Yeah. <laughs> all people. This is all others eating. Yeah. People. Matt Ryan, who runs MTV's Instagram. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Matt. I love that one. Allie Gold on Z100 doing their self love with Saran. Yeah. They do it. And that's where we get the inspiration from. But they have a personality on those accounts and we wanted to do it. But the really cool thing was then putting that out into the community around us. And that's why we started branching out into the events and the press, which we weren't yep. doing for a long time. What we just did with when the Kid Leroy came to Syracuse, we just decided that we are going to set up a table and play music and play games, give out our merchandise where we knew he was going to be. And we got a ton of followers. We got people entering a giveaway we were doing. We got people just knowing that Z89 was a thing that existed. 
We had people coming up to us asking, "When's he getting here? When's he getting here? Is this where he's is this where he's going to be?" You have that authority. We were like, "Yeah, uh, sure. we were making ourselves the main event." It's also really exciting to note that since we started doing this, we started doing this about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago now, and we've increased our follower count on Instagram by thirty three percent ish. Nice, congratulations! From like nine hundred to nearly thirteen hundred at this point, like. Mm-hmm. It's fully from putting our face in front of people and being like, you're going to follow us because we do cool things and you like these cool things. So we just figured out the ways to make ourselves known no matter what and honestly demand attention from the people around us. And that's what changed the 89. Exactly. World's greatest media classroom teaching you how to succeed in the real world. And this is what it looks like in 2023. You're both showing that. I want to talk about alumni for a second. You mentioned, you know, Allie, you mentioned Matt. Grace, you talked about Josh. Maddie, I don't know if you remember this. The very first time I met you last year, I think it was at the Sheridan Bar, your opening line to me was, hi, I'm Maddie. I'm from Western Mass, and Brian Lapis is my weatherman. That is true. He is my weatherman, yeah. (laughs) That is the very first thing you ever said to me. That's a wild first line from me, but okay. (laughs) You're like, basically, like, that was your introduction. Like, hi, I'm Maddie. I'm from Western Mass. I'm like, well, I'm from Boston. So great. (laughs) Cool. Are there other alumni that we haven't mentioned yet that you've had interactions with that you felt have been beneficial to you, that you've learned from, that you've just enjoyed getting to meet just on a personal level? Anybody that comes to mind? So many. So many. So many. (laughs) So many. The first thing that came to mind when you said that was when we were at Banquet, I don't know if it was before or after we had done our speeches and award or if it was I don't remember I know who you're gonna before, say yeah I don't know if it was before or after there's that they're saying the same thing together now okay Noah Shear, who was the keynoter then Adam Eisenberg Dion Ryan Sampson was there the four of them kind of came right up to us and I am going to say it although it might be a little embarrassing that we were a little bit starstruck oh my gosh out. I'm not embarrassed about that I don't care they came up Noah Shear was like Dion was like you are amazing I've been looking for you all weekend yes. Noah Shear handed me his phone he said put your number in my phone I swear I almost wow. fainted I almost passed out on the spot I was, I was trying to be like professional oh, like, I'm humble. Not. No, no it's honestly to, to be completely honest because that's what this is for we're like kind of fangirls of the alumni <laughs> so, so when this happened we were just standing next to each other with Dion and Noah and Ryan and Adam all in front of us. Like, oh my goodness, they want to talk to us. What is going on? I was like, and what have we, what have, what have we, <laughs> what like, we what, do? What did we do? It's crazy. There's people like, we will just casually mention these people on like an everyday basis. So like, <laughs> I swear, I talk about like, Allie, Corey Crockett, <laughs> Sam Candell, Alex Brewer, um, Molly okay. Nelson, Molly Nelson, Andrew Winshank, who wasn't at Banquet, but he works for Spotify now and he's really, really, really helpful for me. Ralphie versa like all of these people we mentioned because we just like it's so it's so strange to sound but it's like a low level of idolizing yeah this is not embarrassing because I just respect these people so much and to see them doing things that we could possibly do in the future and knowing that Z89 was that catalyst for them in getting to their professional careers and like their personalities even like it's just super great to see all of these people who are so dedicated to the station and seeing like I think the class of 2014 they're like a little friend group still and it's been 10 years almost yeah. so like we're seeing these people and we're like oh i'm gonna be the eileen spath of class we, of 2024 we actually you know compare them to ourselves we're like oh they my are- gosh they like i we admire their friendship and what z yeah. gave them so much and we understand and we're able to identify that we're living that right now and like hopefully that's gonna be us in 10 years so it's really interesting not only professionally to see the alumni but just to on a personal level see the relationships that they have and be able to like value what we have now before we all graduate and go different places for a little while. And I want to mention, this is a personal story more than a professional one. Please. That 
also completely exposes what we normally talk about. So we mentioned before us and Joe Puccio are our little trio we have been. What's Joe's role? He was a sports director when I was social media director and Matt, he was VP of programming. Now he's just on sports staff. But mm-hmm. we've been our little trio and Joe and I are dating. Mm-hmm. And Maddie has said that Joe and I are going to be Molly Nelson and Alex Ferro and she's going to be Corey yes. at our wedding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, we're already planned. It's already planned. <laughs> so then we see them and we just think those things. It's like having a bunch of other sets of like parents. Yeah. We kind of look up to and compare ourselves we, to. We made this joke earlier today before this podcast recording. We saw the episode title where it was like Alex Brewer and Molly Nelson's like love story from <laughs> WJPZ. And I said, I'll make the 100 year podcast and I'll interview you guys for that. <laughs> Maybe it's for 60. Who knows? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Maybe. I don't know. But we have so many of those. I didn't even realize how much we really put them in our lives. But then also so much. just completely looking up to what they do and Allie Gold was the first alumni I was ever told about. And Kyle told me about her because she did social media. He knew I was really interested in that. Mm-hmm. So the day I was found out that someone who was on the same radio station as me was doing Elvis Duran, I was like, that is insane. I want to be her. Crazy. And so being so impressed by what she does and so inspired by her entire career was just an awesome thing, knowing that she was also on JPZ. But then getting to meet her and talk to her and the fact that she's just so supportive of everything we do just adds a whole nother level. And I think that's what's so special about Z89 that we look up to their careers because we want to do the same thing, but then they'll come and talk to us and say, we love what you're doing. And it is probably the most validating thing in the world. Yeah. You're not the only one who feels that way about Allie. She's one of our most downloaded episodes at this point, by the way. Understandable. Yeah, good. And to the point you just made, Grace, I told Maddie this in person in Syracuse, we kind of broke into the radio station Thursday night of banquet. Somebody let us in, and it was it, it was Dion and Adam Eisenberg and myself. I saw. We, we oh, saw. we saw. It was on social media. <laughs> Dion, who is the head of urban programming at SiriusXM, is like looking at the playlist and going, "Wow, this is on point! Like they are on it. This team is playing all the right music. They are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing." and to hear that you guys hold the alumni in such a high regard is really, really warming to my heart, too. Because I remember sitting with the two of you at the station, I think, on Friday when I was done on yeah. the air. And I was like, ah, they'll, 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 I don't know if they'll want to, but like, I'd love to have them on the podcast. Like, can, Let me ask if they want to be on the podcast. And you were both like jumping out of your chairs like, oh, my God, yeah, let's please be on the podcast. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Oh, we we're so excited. We have a very deep running love for Z89. It feels like we've been here for 50 years. We're kind of obsessed (laughs) at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And to touch on what Dion was saying, like I heard multiple times throughout the week. I didn't get to meet Dion until the night of banquet. But multiple times people were like, oh, my gosh, Dion said the program sounds so great. And like I'll hear like programming compliments from like Corey Crockett, who does programming at Odyssey and all these stuff. I'm like, for one, students here don't understand the programming like the alumni do. Like if you're not the PD or you're not the music director, you don't necessarily understand how the programming works and everything. All I hear when I'm here is, why are we playing about damn time five times an hour? And yeah, I'm like, guys, yeah. there's a reason. I'm like, there's a reason. And so to hear it actually, like the compliments about the programming actually come from alumni who do this for a living and they understand it. It's really, really refreshing because like PD is kind of just on its own most of the time when it comes to like programming and making the schedule. It's like people don't understand radio programming as much unless they're like really interested in it here. So to hear it from alumni that do it for a living is 
really insane. It's like one of my favorite parts about Banquet is just being able to talk to people who get it. This has been such an awesome conversation. I want to ask you a, a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a loaded or a tricky question, but one of the, I don't want to say complaints, but one of the shortcomings of JPZ over 50 years has been that for, especially in the first mm, half or so of that 50 years, the station and the active alumni, for the most part, are a lot of white dudes. It's a lot of men. You know, it's a male-dominated industry historically. Historically, the station's been very male-dominated. You are two women running this radio station. I'm wondering what your perspective on that is, because I feel like also since Allie and some of the folks in the last 10 years, I feel like there's been a really a 10 year or so string of really strong women leading this radio station. I think the best sign that the people before us were doing a good job is that when I started and when I came in, I never felt like there was anything wrong with me joining. I never felt like I was getting excluded. It was very welcoming, which is credit to Kyle for welcoming us in when we applied. Yes. And to just all of the women before us who kind of set that precedent that it was okay for us to be a part of it. I never felt on the outside when I was signing up or joining. Definitely, eventually, you notice that just in the numbers that more males are interested. But knowing that there were people before us who did the same thing and who paved the way, I think is a huge motivator and makes us want to do the same thing and get other girls involved. And that's definitely been a big thing we try to focus on in recruiting and training new members is, I said before, but getting to know everyone's interests and passions and backgrounds makes it that they feel welcome here too. So I know there's a lot of girls on the station who share a same interest of me being Taylor Swift. <laughs> she is also a fantastic female role model. But <laughs> just because so many of us looked up to her, that has been one of those connecting factors where we all have the same mindset, where I find all these girls on the station who listen to the same kind of music as me, and then we go crazy talking about it. And I remember last semester, I was sitting in on Maddie's training group and they were talking about their favorite songs and someone said something with Taylor Swift and I like popped out of the office and I was like, who said that? Because we're our best friends now. <laughs> so it's totally something that we very much try and keep up because obviously we've been through it and we know that other people have been through it, that there have been a bunch of guys running the station and then mm -hmm. we're just here. But without the people who did it before us, we would probably have no place here. So it's really a thank you to them for starting it. I'm just very, very honored that we get to continue it because obviously if it has not been made abundantly clear, we love Z89 and are very happy to be here again. Say that another time. Yeah. In case, in yeah. case everyone thought we hated Z89, no, we love it. Yeah. <laughs> and getting to welcome other people into it and just knowing that this was something that started 50 years ago and other women made it a place for girls to join and be a part of something special and that we get to play a role in that. And I know we're, I believe, the first full VPs, GM group of all girls. All girls. Yep. Which is really great. And we kind of didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And then it did after elections. And we were like, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. Yeah. I think also, so I started on the exec staff in the fall of 2021. And I was one of three girls on a 14-person exec staff hmm. of all white men. So it was kind of historic, like, 
we say historically, but like this was like less than two years ago. Like I was on a staff of all guys. Yeah. Like there was one VP that was a girl. It was Emma. And then I was a music director. And then our legal director was a woman. And other than that, it was all guys. So it was really interesting trying to like not navigate a staff that was all guys. But it was weird, too, because I was a sophomore and a lot of them were juniors and seniors guys. So like it wasn't an issue like getting taken seriously, but I guess being listened to in a way. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was because of the fact that they were men, but it was just very it was a very interesting dynamic. So then the next semester table completely flipped. We had three men on the executive Mm -hmm. staff, (laughs) 11 women. And then from there, I think we had three guys on the exec staff last semester, and now we're on a VP staff of all women. So it has been kind of like a culture shift. I don't think it is 100% a gender thing, but to be able to build the respect that we have, not only because we've been here for a while and like we've been through it, but feeling comfortable under people like Ryan Baker and Kyle Leff, who championed any idea that I had. And I think developing the music department as music director, a lot of the time, like I came here because I love music and I find a lot of girls who come here because they love music and they want to do things with music. Maybe they don't want to be a broadcast personality on air, but I'm not like, I don't champion myself as a broadcaster, you know? I'm not an on-air talent, but we are. We have the best drive time in the world. (laughs) It's the tagline. We have the best drive time in the world. world. It's called Third Wheel. And when can our listeners listen to you on the iHeartRadio app? Fridays 4 to 6 with Joe. (laughs) It's called Third Wheel. It's really good. Our pride and joy. Yeah, it's our pride and joy. Is Joe or is Maddie the third wheel? Oh, it's, you see, it changes sometimes. It's it's me in the concept, but a lot of the time if we play, when we play a game of like most likely to, it's Joe. So... Every time we get in a disagreement, it's usually Maddie and I on one side and Joe on the other. Yeah. So I guess it's up to the interpretation. Yeah. That's why you should listen. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Anyway, getting back to like the female thing. I think we're very lucky again with the people that came before us. I've never felt necessarily uncomfortable in a room with people, with all the guys that are on D89 because we've made the effort to become friends with them. They are very welcoming of everybody that talks to them, regardless of what department they're in. That's been a culture shift recently, too, especially all of the men on the sports staff. Very, very willing to speak to literally anybody in any department on the station. It's just a really welcoming environment overall. So I think that's it. I've never felt any sort of imbalance because I was a woman. And I think that that has been because of the culture and the people that have come before us that have made sure that no one ever felt like that. I don't want to end this on a serious topic like this. I want to end it on a lighter note. So, and, and I'm afraid of opening a can of worms here, but I'm going to ask you both. Give me a funny story or two from your time at the station that you still laugh at at this point. Oh, that is so tough. Maddie just fell back in her chair against the wall, by the way, for those of you listening. We have so many. I'm like, thinking of multiple from the past, like, two days. <laughs> That's what I say. I'm like, I could give you, like, three wow. from the last, like, three days. A couple of good ones that I think are funny stories are the way that we force ourselves into any opportunity we want. And then it is always a really funny story later. It's things that D89 deserves. And we are very sure of that, that these are things we want to do and we deserve them. So if we want something, we will make it happen. Give me an example. Like press opportunity kind of Mm -hmm. deals where it's like, oh, we should go do press for like block party or something. But that's never been done before. One thing that comes to my, my mind is S.G. Lewis is a DJ from the UK who came to the Westcott Theater. Mm-hmm. And 
<laughs> this was like the wildest, like this was our first in-person press opportunity that we'd experienced at least. I was in contact with the manager probably three days before the show trying to get an interview with this guy. He was like off the grid all day. And what happened was I ended up skipping all of my classes that day, just <laughs> waiting for an email from this guy, hoping that S.G. Lewis would come into station and do an on-air interview. Um, what ended up happening was me, the zoo director at the time, and Alana, the VP of operations, she was the music director at the time. We all went to the Westcott Theater, brought a bunch of microphones and things and stood around waiting for the show to be done. And we ended up doing an interview in the back parking lot of well, the Westcott Theater at 1245 a.m. after the show. Wow. And like we ended up doing a pre-recorded interview and then airing it later. But it's just we have a lot of like really wild stories like that where it's like, we just kind of threw everything against the wall and we're like, something is going to stick here. And yet what we ended up getting was standing in a parking lot with mics that look like this one that we're talking into right now and just talking to this guy outside his tour bus when his manager is like, I really want to go to bed right now. And we're like, well, we really appreciate you letting us, yeah. <laughs> letting us right. hound you for the whole day. We make it our point that if there's something we want to get done, we need it to happen. We deserve this opportunity. So we're going to do it. It's always it's always a funny story, too, because a lot of it like we had never seen any of this done before a year ago when we spearheaded the executive staff. Things like this hadn't happened before that. It was like you go on air and then you go home. Now we're like, how do we do everything possible ever? (laughs) Yeah, literally ever. But you're picking up with two things that have historically been true as I've talked to different generations throughout the podcast. And those two things are one, sometimes it's put together with duct tape and bubble gum and sometimes it's just way better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission, right? That is my oh. motto. That is my yes. motto. Every time someone asks me to do something, I'm like, don't ask me, just do it. And then if I have a problem with it, then I'll say no later, you know? Wow, okay. It's the same philosophy with if someone wants to pitch a show, don't come to me with an idea, come to me with a plan. Like, because if you have a plan, I'll likely say yes. That's the kind of like idea that we've been pushing for everybody for a really long time now is like, again, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Just do it. Because there's a likely chance that what you're doing is correct or it could be really, really great. So, like, just do it, like Nike says, you know, Um, promo. Shout out Nike. (laughs) But, like, just do it and then ask for forgiveness later. That's another training motto that we've come up with. I'd rather you make a million mistakes in front of me and I can show you how to fix it than not try at all. So, wow. I don't know where I was going with that, but. You went past the, the funny story. Yeah, I know. Can we go back to a funny story? I, well, I was going to say, <laughs> so basically, it ties to the same thing, but we started doing all of the press coverage last spring, about a year ago, for University Union's blog party. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I just texted Maddie and I was like, hey, we should do this. It would be fun. And she's like, okay. And Kyle let us do it. And we went and... That was another thing. We had no idea what we're doing. Yeah, we showed we up. Did with, it. Showed up with a camera that I bought off eBay, and we're like, "We'll figure it out." Like Daily Orange and Citrus TV, they were were there with giant cameras and like reporters and stuff, and we're like, "We have no idea what we're doing." Right. <laughs> and then, but because fake it till you make it. Yeah. And because <laughs> we did that, we all of a sudden became besties with the PR department at University Union, uh. and then we're back for Juice Jam. And Juice oh Jam gosh, was Juice a Jam. crazy day for us. For the older alumni, what is Juice Jam? Juice Jam is a, like a festival music kind festival of concert in the fall that's outside on South Campus. Okay. It's run by a campus organization, University Union, and they get like four artists and just pretend it's a music festival, but it's on South Campus. And we went and we're very determined to get content from Young Gravy because he had a, a song we were playing all the time at the point. Mm-hmm. We 
were like right in his face to take pictures. That sounds awful, but we were trying to get really good <laughs> content for Z89 and trying to get an interview, trying to get whatever we could. I got one picture. It's so funny. It's so funny. He just has both his middle fingers up at me because I was just had a <laughs> like camera at him. A foot from him. Yeah. Like he's like he was in my in face. Front of his- and I he was just he was just right in my face and I had my camera at him and I'm like, smile, smile, smile. And he- <laughs> and he did not feel like smiling and he said he flipped you off. <laughs> no. And it's a really funny picture. And then another thing was we brought a Z89 shirt and we said, we're going to get this to Young Gravy because we play his song and it has our logo on it. We wrote our phone number on the tag. Hang on. 443-HITS or your actual no, personal number? My actual, <laughs> my actual cell phone number. And I would like to clarify that it was for business reasons only. <laughs> 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 I wanted an interview. So what happened was we ended up getting a call about like a couple hours after we went home from Juice Jam. And it was this random girl that was like, hey, I found your T-shirt. And we were like, OK, it's for Young Gravy. And she was like, oh, it, I found it on the ground. <laughs> and, and I'm still I'm still to this day convinced that it was actually his secret girlfriend. Yeah. Trying to be like, what is this shirt? Yeah, why and are you trying to has get your it. number my, my boyfriend? I think he still has it. I'm convinced. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to tell ourselves that at least. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever your careers take you uh, and you meet up with him later in life, I'm sure <laughs> he will love that story. Hey, you probably have my cell phone number somewhere. <laughs> so I'll manage you or something. Yeah. Maddie Doolittle, VP of Programming, Grace Denton, GM, Class of 2024. I'm almost choked up now because as an alum and sort of speaking for the alumni now, we are all so very, very proud of the two of you and your staff and everything that you have accomplished and you continue to accomplish to uphold the legacy of the world's greatest media classroom. Hearing the enthusiasm in both of your voices and the personality and the generosity that the two of you have for each other and for the staff and the willingness to bring people in, make them feel welcome and teach is everything that this radio station has been about since the 1970s. And so I want to thank you both on behalf of the alumni for all that you do for the radio station and for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. That was very, very sweet. Yeah, it is. We every time someone compliments us for upholding, we're just like, oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, stay on the job. (laughs) You know, we're like, it's crazy because it's like, it's just what we love doing. So to hear people be like. We're so happy that you're continuing this legacy. It's like, yeah, well, like this is what I want to be doing. It doesn't feel like a job at all. This is this is what we talk about and text about 24 hours a day. It's actually kind of concerning sometimes, but that's okay. (laughs) So, so to hear Grade 89 before class, that's a that's 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 another motto. There we go. Yeah, another liner there. Yes, 89 over school. 89 over school always is. Such a great feeling to hear that do your we're homework, doing kid. what everyone else has done and keeping up a good station because we yeah, think about it a little too much. So it's very nice to hear that that actually does something. Mm-hmm. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.